0: Hi guys this is Justina. I figured I'd better record this real quick before I forget so not my circus not my monkeys in Polish is nie mój cyrk nie małpy it's a word-for-word translation well one of those rare ones in Polish but there it is I'll say it one more time nie mój cyrk nie małpy
1: bachelor arm studios in the historic center square neighborhood of albany new york i'm bobby pape and this show has everything in fact this show has everything in the friendly skies and how we get there gonna take a little trip through tsa take your shoes off take your belt out please take your laptop out of your bag even if you have one of those bags that you can flip open we don't care make sure you don't have any liquids then come and wait in line In the throngs of humanity for a little while while we tell you about our favorite least favorite overrated and underrated airport experiences joining me for this trip to well I'm not quite sure where yet we'll figure it out when we get there from the Sticky Butter Studios in New Brighton Minnesota that's right just a a drive up I-35 I assume from MSP it's Ann don't at me Lundholm good evening Ann
2: good evening Bobby I'm ready I got my carry-on packed. I got my passport with me just in case we got to run for the border. Let's do it. Uh, Please don't make
1: me run. (laughs) In case we need to stroll leisurely towards the border. And at Money Pit Studios in Detroit, Michigan, it's Meredith, the MVH, Van Harn, as you know, she is DTW. Good evening, <laughs> Meredith.
3: It's not as funny as Dallas's, but no. Yeah, I did get my uh my TSA precheck renewed for some reason last fall. So, it's it's good for another 5 years.
1: Oh, it's good to have it. I I tried to upgrade mine to Global Entry, but um have not been able to get an interview anywhere to do that. So, uh even though I don't have any real international travel plans, I just I'm a completist, so I must have all of the fast access mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Uh As you can tell, it's just the three of us tonight. You can tell that because I haven't introduced the Nice lady, and I haven't been interrupted by Hillary so <laughs> you get to travel with us this evening. Uh, <laughs> we get to argue over who gets the uh, aisle seat and who gets the window seat and who gets stuck in the middle. Oh my God, when we're looking at the three of us, that's a tough call it is it's tough. a It's a really tough call. actually, I hadn't thought about it until just Oof. now. By the way, we're also going to do some small talk housekeeping how to get involved with all that good stuff um we're uh we should think oh. about this though.
2: Yeah, I assume that Meredith and I will get aisle seats across from each other and Bobby with all your miles you'll be up in you'll be up in, in business class.
3: class.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'll I'll send you back a drink. Um,
3: oh boy. I very much prefer a window seat if I can swing it and if I if it's a especially if it's a short flight where I don't need to get up for anything because then nobody's crawling over my legs or under my legs as it were.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. I mean, I live under the assumption that I would rather get up to move for someone than have someone get up to move for me,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which makes me an aisle person. Except for I've talked about this before. I I'll be damned if I pee on a plane. Yeah, <laughs> I will be. Absolutely damned I will grow dry as the desert for two days beforehand (laughs) if it means avoiding peeing on the airplane so I'm usually okay with the window seat except for I have been on a couple of planes that were small enough that I could feel the wall kind of curving and I felt like I needed to turn my head in or you know like bend my neck so I wouldn't hit my head Mm. on the on the roof of the plane. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think. So obviously the best seat is in first class when there's a smaller jet and there's just like the one seat. And you can just have like the wall and the aisle. That's the dream. Um, I am an aisle guy. uh, Almost always. And in fact, um, when we fly together, Sam and I have occasionally gotten aisle aisle because I would rather just talk to her over the aisle a little bit than then sentence either of us to being in a middle seat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it only seems fair. Of course, as you mentioned, I'm rarely in the back of the plane more on that in a minute. First, a little small talk, a reminder, the Tishy book club reconvenes for June 14th. We are reading the searcher by Tana French. And I would mention this. uh, I have entered the 21st century. This old man bought uh, a Kindle this week. (gasps) Oh, I hear you kids are reading books on tablets now. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I purchased a Kindle Paperwhite. I really labored over which Kindle to buy, and I also wasn't wild about giving Amazon my uh, technology money for that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it just is the. What am I going to do? Buy a Nook?
3: No. Good.
1: Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it from all the Zune people. They're also <laughs> Nook people, probably. Unless there's a Microsoft Book tablet. I don't know about it. I mean,
3: the other option, which I do a lot, is just use the Kindle app on your phone, you know? Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah, simple. Yeah,
1: I, I feel like I stare at my phone enough, and I'm trying to yeah. look at screens marginally less. And I feel like the Kindle screen, especially the paperweight, is different. It's I easier to, on the eyes, yeah. Yeah. I used to read on the Kindle app on, like, uh, the iPad, mm-hmm. and before that on my Fire tablet back when I was, uh, you know, back when that was a thing for me. But it's just the 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 brightness of the screen is different. And I must say it's quite a nice thing. You're all onto something with this Kindle. Um, (laughs) And I was also able to get the Libby app and I had to uh, root around through a couple of my old library cards to find a library where the searcher was not on back order, but I managed to find it. So
3: good job. Nice. I will say I'm, I'm like halfway through this book. I think it's worth reading, listening to whatever. I'm enjoying, enjoying it quite a bit. I actually, I mean, as
2: you know, I read it, a couple of weeks ago before we read Hollywood Homicide. I actually went out and bought a hardcover copy of it so that I would have it. Nice. I have some of those soft cover, not paperback, but the soft cover versions of some of her earlier novels, so it's it's not weird. I mean not that it would be weird if I bought a book, but I just sort of felt like, you know, in the interest of having several of her books so
1: you don't have to happy. justify your weird i know book no. thing to us like you're allowed to have a weird book thing grown up. That's, why, that's
0: why
3: did i read it for free and then go out and buy it i because i liked it as far yeah. as weird things goes that's that's pretty tame
1: well that's just okay. like all the music we play at the end of our podcast if you like it you should go buy it because that's how we justify rolling mm-hmm. the whole track
2: <laughs> it's publicity for them yeah. exactly
1: uh so yes the searcher tana french go read it as soon as you run out of um, hollywood homicide sequels go read it and be ready to reflect with us on flag day
2: <laughs> i am not entirely certain that we're going to make june 14th because that's boy that's burling up on us that is soon yeah that is real a really quick good point. but that's what we're planning on we you know uh as my choir director used to say our motto around here is cheerful and flexible <laughs>
1: Let me make a note of that. my motto has always been you can't leave you can't show up drunk, you can leave drunk, but you can't show up drunk. <laughs> These Cheerful. are different kind of life mantras, <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of mantras, uh, oh no, that was last episode. never mind, uh yeah, flag day if we're good, uh the week after, probably if we're not, but either way, get reading, get started with us and speaking of upcoming holidays and where are you going for Memorial Day, guys. <laughs>
2: there's something that's coming up that's Mm -hmm. called the kickoff to summer event it's at the Minnesota State Fair it's like a baby fair that is oh today May 27th through 31st I'm going on the 31st obviously Memorial Day there I don't know what they're doing They're trying to ease us back into the state fair since it got canceled. They're doing a small thing. They're seeing how it works. I don't know. So it's, I believe, sort of one area of the fair. And they're having, I don't know, 20, 25 vendors. All the biggies. All the real good ones. And I don't know what else. But you had to enter a ticket lottery, which my mom did. And she won tickets. So we're going. And our slot is... 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Monday, which is today, the day that this comes out. So I am having some sort of fair experience. I cannot wait to hear how that
3: goes. I know. I've been jealous of you.
1: I've been jealous of you before. I'm jealous of your uh, intelligence. I am jealous of your thoughtfulness. I am jealous of your general aptitude in uh, myriad uh, fields. Uh, And now I am perhaps most jealous of you for going to the Minnesota State Fair. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I hope there will be pictures of you eating all the fried food I can't so that I have something to cry into while I uh, eat local substitutes.
2: One of the cheese curd booths is open. Mm. I verified it. Of course he did. Of course he verified. (laughs) I had to see what was around. There's no point going if you
3: can't have cheese
2: curds. Well, I don't know. I also verified that the Tiny Tim or Tiny Tim Tom Thumb mini donut stand is open for my mother. That's her jam.
1: That's the one where they just mound the bucket? Uh, no, that's,
2: that's cookies. Martha's cookies. Right. Yeah, the I love going and watching the mini donut machine, you know, like the river of boiling oil that floats around and then the little machine goes poop and like poops out a little ring of dough into the river mm-hmm. of oil. It poop, 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 and they just float around and cook. Oh, it's so fun!
1: There's an episode of The Simpsons where the devil force feeds Homer endless donuts and <laughs> thinks it's going to be a punishment. That's me at the end of that conveyor belt. I just want to lay with my mouth open under it. So. I feel like I could eat a lot of mini donuts before
2: it would become a punishment. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, air travel. That's what we were talking about. No, mini donuts. <laughs> Forget it. Let's scrap the show. I want to talk yep. about mini donuts. Let's rank <laughs> our top five mini donuts. Um, and just remember that on Memorial Day, all gave some, but some gave all. Sure. So, so please give the Minnesota State Fair your all.
2: I will. I may just ride the giant slide. No, I'm not. I won't. I haven't read giant slide since I was 12. So.
1: Do they let you take your phone? Because I would like to see a first person video of you going down the giant slide. I can't see why they wouldn't. And giant slide <laughs>
2: i've done a lot of things for this podcast bobby <laughs> I'm not
1: sure if this is one of them yeah being friends with us was really high on the <laughs> <list. laughs> okay uh as you can hear one more small talk item it's not on the list but just a heads up i'm trying to minimize the echo in the bachelor arms i thought when we recorded here last that i would rarely be recording here and yet for some reason uh this night of the week works out well for us and it's a night of the week i'm usually here now apparently so um until i get the wolf tapestry on the wall and right. other things to baffle mm. some of the sound just uh bear with me it is also the dog barking district of albany mm-hmm. and right before we fired up it was also the illegal atv dirt bike district of albany <laughs> so we might get some some uh audio uh texture so much when, going on yeah
0: uh... I have to say
1: when you you talk about the wolf tapestry
2: can we talk about the animal skin rugs whether fake or real I it seems like a zebra skin rug cutout is such a like a designy thing and I think it's so ugly It is ugly it is ugly. Like, why? Well why, why? It, it's gross. And it's Don't do vaguely
3: it. animal shaped. That's the worst.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like a, a zebra did the splits, four way splits, and then got squished. Mm-hmm. It's a zebra on ice skates. I
3: squished. do confession, I have a fake sheepskin rug. Um, not the IKEA one. I found it at Costco and I only bought it because it's literally the softest thing I've ever felt in my life. And I was like, Yeah, well, but is it is it shaped like a sheep? Eh, not really. No. If
2: it looks like you sheared a sheep, then that's cool. But if it looks like you murdered a sheep and then <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> spread its body out to walk on, I'm not okay with that.
1: I, I think the important part is how does Gregory look laying on it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got one for his side of the bed, too, because he was jealous of mine.
1: <laughs> oh, good. His and hers uh, sheepskin? Yep. Very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. We need to see. This is the problem with us losing our Amazon affiliate link. We could be selling mini donut machines. We could be selling (sighs) sheepskins. Opportunities lost. Thanks a lot, Jeff
0: Bezos.
3: (laughs) All right. Uh, Shall we move on to the mailbag, you guys? so. So we heard a great email from Justina at the top of the show, and we got another email, or I'm sorry, a voicemail, um, from listener Anne, and this is in response to last week's show about neighbors. So let's take a listen.
4: Hi, this is Anne Minor. I know that we're supposed to talk about our dream neighbors and not our actual real life unsatisfactory whack neighbors, but it's Hillary's fault. She brought up the neighbors who set her lawn on fire, and that brought me back to this story so our first house um, was in west seattle and we lived on an extremely busy arterial traffic was often roaring by at 50 miles an hour um, and it was also a really densely wooded street which is a pretty pacific northwest kind of thing And this was a night during the summer. Um, I know that it was pretty late because I specifically remember it being dark out. And it doesn't get dark here in the summer until, you know, at least after 9 o'clock. And my spouse was home, which was unusual. At the time, he was working third shift and he was normally gone from – 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Those were his his work hours, but this was sometime midweek. He was home, and we were giving the baby a bath. And normally that was a task that I did by myself, but since there was another adult there, I could say, hey, watch the baby. I'm going to go get something from the kitchen. And so I <clears throat> stepped into the kitchen, and happened to look out our kitchen window. And the house two lots away from ours was fully engulfed in flames. We didn't know the people who lived there. We'd only kind of seen them coming and going. It always seemed like there was kind of sketchy goings-on over there. And of particular note is the fact that their house had been on the market for a really long time. Now that same house would, you know, sell in one day for double the asking price. But back then, you know, it had been on the market for probably close to a year. And I looked out the window and it was just burning. So I grabbed the phone, called 911. They already knew And then my next instinct was to go into the bathroom, grab a towel, pluck my child out of the bathtub, wrap him up in a towel, and just run outside. And, you know, I've never quite been able to parse what that instinct was about. You know, it was... It was a really pretty heavily treed area. So if the whole block was going to go up in flames, I mean, I guess we would have been marginally closer to the car, but it wasn't like I took the keys with me. I just, you know, I just had this instinct to flee and go outside. And so there I was standing in our driveway on a summer night with a damp baby wrapped up in a towel It wasn't cold. He was fine. Um, Watching the fire trucks roar up to extinguish the fire that was really, really way closer than I wanted it to be. So that's my neighbor story. Not really about the neighbors. It was scary, though. Bye. Damn, Anne.
3: You have some real-life, whack-ass, arsonist neighbors. I was a
2: little confused if she was mm, uh, throwing a little arsonist shade on them. I because think- she did say it was empty for so long. And But, you know, sometimes abandoned houses do just catch on fire.
3: Right. But also but, sometimes when they can't sell them. <laughs> right. That's what I was
1: thinking. Yeah. So. I have a hard time believing that it just... Um... Spontaneously caught on fire after being empty for so long. Uh, yeah. So yeah, shady arson neighbors. Yeah, uh, it's also hard true. to
3: imagine a house there going, you know, being empty, as she said, for so long. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and so, would you would you say that this voicemail? Because it, it was a it was a hefty voicemail from me, She she really spelled it all out for us. It was, would you say, a slow burn?
3: Oh, nice. No, Bobby. Slow. No. <laughs> 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 uh. Um, we also got an email from listener Linda um, and this is in response to life mottos. Um, I think we made Linda feel bad. <laughs> Linda says hello to all. This is listener quote. It is what it is. Unquote Linda. I feel so ashamed. I didn't know the orange buffoon said that about the pandemic. I didn't know your mamas hate it. I didn't know you hate it. I apologize as I whisper to my, it is what it is. Don't fret about it. BT dubs love the show. I'm sorry. We d- it's not a f- it, it's nothing personal. It's just I I think it's kind of silly that my mom hates it.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great mantra yeah. that just unfortunately has a bad association with it now. I told Linda I think that we need to reclaim it.
3: Mhm. Mhm.
2: I mean, it has kind of a fatalistic or it could have a fatalistic edge to it, right? It's sort of balanced on the knife edge between sort of accepting the things that you can't change and then also being fatalistic and be like, well, it is what it is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that asshole lumpy creamsicle of a human also loves Diet Coke. But hey! I'm not going to <laughs> let him take... Well, I've, I'm literally drinking Diet Coke right now. I'm Don't not give him the, him the power. Take, exactly. Fuck him. Yeah, I Him would. and Jeff Bezos together.
2: I would like to have a Diet Coke button installed upon my desk, though.
3: Wouldn't we all? That
2: was a change that he implemented to the Oval Office that I
1: could really get behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it didn't, I don't think it like, it wasn't connected to like a conveyor belt or one of those tubes <laughs> at the bank or something. It was just a button that told a human to bring him a Diet Coke. Like
2: Maybe it was just one of those big easy buttons yeah. from the commercials. Yeah.
1: We could just get you, you know, like a, like a soda dispenser. Like we could just get a can like a, like a vending machine and then just set it up so that it takes no quarters. Like every kid's dream arcade. Mm-hmm. Right. I
2: tried semi-seriously to get my boss at the time to consider getting one of those Coke freestyle machines for our floor at work. <laughs> I just don't understand. I mean, I, they're like twenty thousand dollars, so it was never going to fly. But I pitched it like, ha ha ha!
3: I'm joking. But Am was I? I was I joking? I don't know. The, the The productivity boost from the caffeine might make it worthwhile.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're gonna just get all the engineers a cocaine machine. Yes, <laughs> that's basically <laughs> what engineer, it is. The productivity boost will be through the roof.
3: Yes, there's a couple of
2: them that drink those um, monsters mm-hmm. a lot.
3: Those aren't good for you, I don't think.
2: They are not. You should not drink five Monster Energies. In
1: Jeremy Noon, uh, Travis. No, J- Jeremy's it's not Travis. drinking. Jeremy's not drinking Monster Energy drink. He's drinking some weird foreign off, off. energy drink you've never yeah, heard of. Yeah, yeah, that actually is is probably similar in consistency to what my um, Tishi recommends is, and you'll just have to wait and see <laughs> when we get there.
2: Jeremy drink- is like the Branson, Missouri, of energy drinks <laughs> yakov smirnov has got a show
1: yep. uh, oh oh well and you're right actually it, it would be branson because it would be um caustic real america and non-alcoholic mm-hmm. yep perfect
3: next road um, trip
1: yes oh jesus christ we do a live show from branson yeah please.
3: Um, okay, We've, we have uh, a few good responses for our question of the week from last week, which was, who would be your dream neighbor? Um, Peter says, Mr. Rogers. Amazing. I don't know why none of us oh, thought of that. It's kind Peter, of the you're so answer. smart. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think the problem with this question is
2: that it's too open-ended. Yes. And maybe it's not something that you spend a lot of time thinking about on the reg. So we kind of caught people off guard. It's, it's a hard one to come to off the top of your head.
3: But right. that was a great answer missy yep. says um orlando soria who is a gay interior designer who bought a house in the woods and his house is beautiful and that's exactly where i want to retire so i totally agree missy but he can't have neighbors that kind of defeats the purpose um listener lane says an empty lot totally feel you there <laughs> <laughs> lane's um, happy to like be in a
2: town she, <laughs> she yeah
3: just yeah it's not the, the plot woods. next to her to yeah <laughs> it's just nobody right next to me um fred says as i was listening to the podcast i was thinking meredith would be the perfect neighbor no kids cat person no barking dogs and meredith likes quiet but then christy brought up Anne and the treats dot 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 Mm -hmm. and you know i can't compete with that so Anne, you are the perfect neighbor
0: well
2: i don't see why somebody has to have just one neighbor that's true i could be on the other side yeah
3: yeah
2: hmm commune We keep coming back
1: to this idea. Yeah, well, yeah. And speaking of commune, the next person on this list, because, of course, predating all of these conversations was the plan for Quebecus.
3: Right. So the next one is from Mike R.I.P. He says you and I think he means me because I posted the question and any pets you can bring to the relationship. You know, I got you.
2: He just wants you for your pet. He does.
3: That's OK. <laughs> You're willing to be taken advantage of. Yeah. like that. If somebody else will come and feed him when I'm gone. Mm. Hey, there you go. I'm into it. Michael hobble over there and yeah, yeah. Strap on his legs, throw some fancy feast <laughs> at him. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, Libby says probably Wilson from Home Improvement. Just chatty enough, handy if things need fixed, and quiet. I don't know. Did he ever come over? No, he didn't. No, Oh. No. I mean that's the beauty. Yeah, right. Yeah, he stayed in his lane.
1: Can't yep. forget his name. That's also a nice thing. You mm-hmm. only have to remember one name. It's like share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or But double double share, share, share.
3: <laughs> uh, Julie says trees
1: into that.
3: So mm, another Julie, woods dweller. Kind of a cheat. <laughs> that's not trees a person. Trees are people.
2: Unless they're the trees from Lord of the Rings, the
3: Ents. I think they are. Oh, yeah. Well, neither is an empty lot. I think we didn't really make ground rules here. Well, that's right. true. Um, Andrea says, anyone who loves and or tolerates my dog in their yard <laughs> I think Mike would be into that. <laughs> there you go. Um and ann Louise says, I live in a city block of row houses and I have awesome neighbors. They have been amazing during the pandemic, but if I get to choose anyone, Ina Garten. Ina Garten. Ina. Yeah. It's you gotta keep your, your
1: sidewalk really clear though, because she's not putting shoes on for anything.
3: Yeah, but you can just pad over and have, like, lobster on the beach at her house,
1: right? And significantly large cocktails. I think that's one of her signatures. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, yes.
2: Yeah. There was some sort of video about that, right? Hilariously large martini or something. Like, early yeah. pandemic yeah, kind of thing. Like, where do you get glasses that big? And are they really martini glasses? Or are they just or something was it else margarita? that looks like a... I don't know what it's
3: just a oh, it's just a be.
1: vase with a stem. I? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I bet you um, she knows somebody who can just make that. I'm sure she knows right. glass blowers.
1: <laughs> you know, any anywhere that uh, sells bachelorette party supplies probably also has that mm-hmm. glass.
2: Yeah. yeah. I bet hers is better quality, though.
1: Oh, I'm yes. sure It's
3: yeah. probably not plastic like those should be. Or
2: like... uh, uh, um, chain Mexican restaurants. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Have those big fishbowl type classes. Yeah.
3: So that was our question of the week. Um, we're recording pretty early, so there's still um, plenty of time to get your, get your submissions in. We'll still read them. Don't worry.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about mine because I didn't get a chance to yeah. really weigh in on that. Um, and I had a couple of real life neighbors who... Well, so this is I have I have a childhood story in a you know recent current life situation. I don't know about a dream neighborhood. I've had one set of neighbors that are really really great, and that is our neighbors in Buffalo, who actually are now moving. Um, our Mayfair Lane neighbors, not the Castle, on the other side, and um, you know we moved into that house, and we were pretty young for the lane, and the neighbors next door were were basically retirees—a retired you know marketing firm CFO who is British and Moonlights is a pastry, like a really high quality pastry chef and her husband, a very part-time attorney who would talk sports and just, you know, hang out with us and have a beer. And it was like, those were our ideal neighbors. Just like the chill retirees. Perfect. Absolutely. Aspirations. Exactly. It was just like, that's what I want to be when I grow up is I want to be Mike and Jean. So, you know, we had goals, goals, neighbors, which was amazing. But I also thought about this when I was a kid, and this must have been fifth or sixth grade, so old enough to be hormonal, but not old enough to know what to do with it. Not my neighbors, but one of the other kids in the neighborhood, the house next door to his sold, and the young woman who moved in was a Buffalo Bills cheerleader. Oh, no. What? And, of course, now as an adult, uh, you know, I actually have an acquaintance who has tried out for several of these professional cheerleading teams. And I realized that they are just, you know, moderately attractive women in a lot of makeup and costumes who are relatively talented dancers. And so the allure, the mystique is not there like it is. But when you are, you know, 12 and Mm -hmm. you just know that the the professional sports team cheerleader is living next door, that's a... um, That's just a super creepy dream neighbor scenario. I have no story. Like, it doesn't go anywhere. It's not like she was (laughs) like, oh, I'm going to go out washing my car in my bikini every Saturday. No, we barely ever saw her. But just the um, The thought of her, the legend tell of of an attractive woman next door who had a pedigree. You know, you could say that she was that and. Mm-hmm. uh so you know that was 12 year old bobby's dream neighbor now i just want someone who's quiet and will have a drink with me once in a while
3: <laughs> i feel like i i don't know I, I i totally get that mystique and as a as a young boy i could imagine how you felt about that but like ever since i learned that they're basically just horrifically underpaid and taken yep. advantage of i just oh, yeah. uh, ugh all the sheen oh, yeah. is gone <laughs> yeah i just feel sorry for them now
1: uh yeah i, I don't know whatever happened to her i i you know something tells me she's not still a buffalo bills cheerleader 20 something years later yeah not. Not. Yeah. yeah that's but,
2: almost as hot as the young uh middle school spanish teacher mm-hmm. there's always like one of those you know who is just just out of college and just super pretty and all the 12 year old boys were like boy (laughs)
3: or the substitute Mm -hmm. or the student teacher yeah
1: (laughs) yep uh i ended up buying my first car from that substitute teacher so (laughs) well yep uh she went to my church it was fine did she spell your name right uh, yeah, well, it, she could spell it however she wanted. Actually, it was my thought back <laughs> then, but it was it was correct on the title. That's all that mattered. And I'm not editing out the dog barks, so welcome to the neighborhood, everybody, on a medium <laughs> talk.
2: <laughs> on a medium talk, well, we were thinking that we are, mm, let's be optimistic and say that we are on the backstroke, downstroke, stroke. Homestretch. Long tail, homestretch, sports metaphor of the (laughs) pandemic. Obviously, there are still awful things going on in other places in the world. So let's be careful with our international travel and some hotspots still in the uh, cities in uh, the United States. But I think probably in the urban areas, things are really opening back up. I know that I feel pretty good about my city. I assume you both feel pretty good, relatively ish. good about yours. Ish. ish. Yeah, ish. yeah,
3: ish. Detroit ha- has not gotten the vaccine coverage that it should. Um, oh, dear. Yeah, it's definitely uh, some, some racial disparities going on here. It's m- lower rates. What? I know, Detroit? I know. Can you believe it? Lo- much huh. lower rates compared to the rest of the state. Um, but, you know... They have made it extremely easy for anybody who wants one to get one um, as long as you have, you know. And they're arranging for transportation and things like that. But, you know, Detroit is such a huge city, um, such an enormous landmass that their people are really spread out. So, yeah. And there are other challenges. The important thing is we're trying. Yes. And, the you know, restaurants are starting to, they're lo- you know, the capacity limits are, are dropping and stuff like that. So,
2: yep. So... With that brings the resumption of probably extensive travel. I think we mentioned it a little bit. Was it last week's show or the week before? Where Christy was saying that she's seen lines for security like out the doors and down the blocks from Mm -hmm. Mm SeaTac. So people are going places again. And some of us have stopped traveling entirely for the pandemic. Some of us had cut back quite severely on what we were doing, but now let's just throw the doors open and uh, fly the friendly skies, people. So we're going to talk about airports and how we feel about them, what the experiences are like. I think the first thing that we have to establish when we talk about this is, are you the person that gets to the airport three hours early, or are you the person who gets to the airport where you will make your flight if everything
1: goes exactly as you have planned it? Bobby? Right. So I am maybe surprisingly an early arriver to the airport. I am, as we put it in our notes, an Andrew, not a Luke. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that won't work for everyone. but I work for most of our listeners. Um, But that is in part because I enjoy the airport, which I know is a hot take. And um, I also want to get my money's worth out of the experience so um (laughs) i uh you know i also am fancy so i'm probably going to go to the airport lounge or something like that which is not all it's cracked up to be but um i i want to go early so that i'm not running i am a big guy the last thing i want to do is run to my gate and be out of breath and huffing and puffing because the last thing i want to do is be sweaty and gross when i get onto the plane so I would much rather get there early, get through security, have plenty of time to be mellow. Um, I get some of my best work done in airports, even at the gate, my laptop and my legs up on my suitcase. Um, so, you know, I, I can focus in that environment because I can just sort of tunnel out the things around me. So I am definitely an early arriver. Uh, what about you, Meredith?
3: Well, I am definitely an early arriver. Um not extreme early, but i I am pretty serious about leaving myself about a two hour buffer to the point where if I'm not if it doesn't look like I'm gonna be through security with two hours to spare, I get nervous. <laughs> so that's kind of my that's kind of my um, my comfort level. If it's an airport that I know, I can I can uh, be a little bit more relaxed about it, but I like to leave a lot of room for you know, the security line is always the wild card. And with TSA pre-check, it makes it a little easier, but you never know. Sometimes that's busy too.
1: or not open yet. This was always a problem when I was flying to work. So when I was flying from Buffalo and Boston, you know, then I could do it a little bit faster because Sam would drop me off, you know, very early in the morning for my flight to Boston. And I would sort of just scoot through security real quick. But once in a while, the pre-check line just wouldn't be open yet for whatever reason. And then suddenly I had to go through with the unwashed masses. Sorry to all of you normal (laughs) people. And, um, You know, suddenly my my plan of, you know, hustling to the gate a few minutes before boarding was just screwed. I never missed a flight. I've never missed a flight due to my own incompetence. But uh, I've come closer than I'd like a couple of times because of that.
3: Yeah, I've never missed a flight either. So I feel like this is a pretty good system. I don't really enjoy uh, hanging out at the airport, but I enjoy it more than being late for a flight. (laughs) That's the key. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I would have
2: to say I am with you guys. I'm definitely an early arriver rather than a late runner. And I used to f- scrupulously follow the recommendation of the airport. If they said 90 minutes, I was 90 minutes. If they said two hours, I was two hours. But I find as I get older, I have less tolerance for even... You know, I. you said it right, Meredith. The security line is always the wild card. Mm-hmm like there's no predicting it anymore nope. you just can't tell or you know i'm at that point in my life where i like i don't think about school schedules anymore so i like mm-hmm. i'm in february and i'm going somewhere and i go in and it's a whole bunch of people going on spring break that i didn't anticipate right. and i'm like oh shit so i think i'm starting to just veer a little bit earlier. I have only ever missed one flight in my life and that was a connection and it wasn't my fault because my first flight got delayed.
1: Oh yeah, connections, and, connections are a whole different ball game. Right. Those don't count.
2: Yeah, those there's no personal oh, yeah. responsibility yeah. involved in those and that was such a horrible experience for me that I am not, you know, going to run the risk of bringing that upon myself. So, and like you Bobby, I enjoy the airport cuz I kind of grew up being at the airport all the time, we moved to London the first time when I was three. And so we were back and forth probably twice a year on those long haul flights to mm-hmm. visit family. And so it just feels normal to me. Like I understand the rhythms of an airport and, you know, how everything kind of fits together. So I don't mind being there. Um but, like, I'm never going anywhere where I'm bringing work with me, so I'm never going to work at the gate. So I end up, like, roaming the airport usually for, like, an hour, mm-hmm. an hour and a half, just walking, 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 which is one reason that I like to check my bag is because I don't want to
1: haul it around. But Oh, that's interesting because I, I will live out of my carry-on. I, I almost always refuse to check a bag. If I'm checking a bag, it's because there's a distinct purpose. It's usually liquor-related
3: oh i will check my carry-on if they ask me to (laughs) just take it away yeah i don't want it i guess it's absolutely
1: it's a little bit different if it's the gate check because you know you're gonna get it right back Mm -hmm. but i don't know
3: yeah but i
2: i get so stressed out by the hunt for overhead space in the plane Mm -hmm. like i don't know what i think is gonna happen like i'm gonna get on there and be like i can't find anything i can't find anything i can't find anything and they'll say well too bad. I guess you can't
3: come then. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> well, not how it goes. But it is not a fun thing because you hold people. Well, for me anyway, it's, I don't want to hold other people up, you know, looking for a thing or running back and forth where while other people are trying to find their seats. Right. And, and there are those
2: people who really enjoy stowing their luggage a ways away from them. Like somebody just gets on the plane and plops it up in the front and then goes back to their seat. And I'm like, well, now you took my spot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I I find that so intolerable that I'd rather just check it and be rid of it and pick it back up when I get there. Yeah.
1: I think you've just led us into the next prompt quite cleanly, uh, which is whether or not you're early or late onto the plane.
2: Yes, indeed. Shall I start this one? Yeah. By all means. I don't understand if you're going to be on the plane for, let's just say, three hours early or three hours for your trip why you would want to get onto the plane another half hour earlier than that and sit there what is the point of getting on early other than to get the overhead space but like my ass is not comfortable in that seat if i can do it for three hours and nine minutes instead of three hours and 40 minutes i think take the nine minutes it's not like they're gonna give away it well. I mean, depending on what air, air airline <laughs> you fly, I guess. That's the other wrinkle in this. But there's a reason I fly Delta and it's not just because they're a, it's in Minneapolis
1: as a hub. Right. Um I I board early. Of course you do. I board as soon as possible. And it is because of the overhead space. And it is because I live out of my carry on. Of course
2: you do. See, this is, this is, I think this is the real difference between us, Bobby.
1: Yeah. And I can usually get comfortable in my seat. Now, of course, again, I'm usually up front if it's Delta. And uh, I want to get the overhead in front of me because if I'm in the first or second row, as I try to be when I can, I don't want to have to put the bag behind me on the plane and then have to cut against traffic to get Mm -hmm. it.
3: That's a nightmare.
1: Or be the guy who's like waiting for five or six rows to deplane and then be like, oh, excuse me, now that it's open, I got to... No, you end up just... I would have to wait until the entire plane is empty.
3: That's too stressful.
1: Yep. So I have Mm -hmm. to get the the overhead over me. And on the little regional jets that I was flying between Buffalo and Boston, uh, the overheads actually were only big enough for actual luggage on one side. (laughs) <laughs> and so the other side was like the little slidey doors where you could put a purse or a duffel bag not, if you could squish it. And so Oh that's yes. not
2: good. No, no. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's like I know that my hips have gotten bigger over the years, but they are making the seats smaller, yes, right? They are like yes. I feel so I obviously I'm a tall woman. I'm a large framed woman. <laughs> I know Meredith, you are a very slender framed woman, not Anne. I got them long legs that just got to stick right into there up against the back of the seat. I just don't want to be in there any longer than I absolutely have to.
3: I guess I'm kind of in between and it depends on the airline. Of course, um, you guys know that I like Southwest and I will do anything to get on that plane as soon as possible because then you get to pick your seat and if you don't get one of the first seats there are seats in the back which are technically um i think they're window seats but there's nobody in front of you because that's where the door is mm-hmm. um and so you get enormous amounts of legroom. so that is like luxury beyond luxury for coach prices so i do enjoy that But here's my
1: my first life hack hmm. for flying is if anyone is not familiar with Seat Guru, you should be familiar with Seat Guru. It's a website that has all of the maps of all the different airplanes on all the different carriers. And it has them flagged with which seats are better or worse. And when you're going to fly on an airline you're not familiar with, especially you can go plug in which kind of plane you're going to be flying on and make sure you don't put yourself in one of the shitty seats where the window is misaligned. Right. Or... Where you're next to uh, the bathroom, that's randomly halfway in the back. Um, yeah, definitely worth it. And that uh, that seat with the no seat in front of it that's a that's a good and bad seat. That's good if you like the legroom and bad if you like the stowage, the space underneath the seat right. in front of you.
3: Right, right. It did cause some strife with a fellow passenger one time. I got that seat and a, a man sat next to me and he said, "Can we switch?" And I said, "No." no and he's like well i'm taller than you and i was like well i got here first and he was like well you don't deserve this seat and i was like well if i I... wanted to sit in the other seat i would have sat in the other seat Mm -hmm. so but but if i have assigned seating i will get on at the very last moment because like i said i've taken care of the checked bag situation i don't have to worry about overhead space because usually i have a purse that's large enough to carry my ipad which is all i really want for entertainment on the the plane um and I can always put those under the seat. So I I'll I'll stay on on the ground for as long as I possibly can and out of the airplane seat, which I also do not find comfortable. Yes.
1: That's fair.
2: I'm thinking about whether we do we dare touch the third rail issue of flight the seat recline. I would never. <laughs> because I think like I've heard all the argument now, of course, I am a no recliner myself because of how miserable it is. I think with my height, it's just if someone reclines their seat, it's like right at my nose level, yeah. like I can't bend over like to get anything out of my carry on unless I like swing out into the aisle and around, and you know that's a hazard when the trolley's coming through but But I have sort of seen the point the trolley of... it's a lot of British Airways, isn't it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i have seen the point of of the recliner's views the way they express it sometime so i you know i guess it's just it's my right to recline my seat versus it's my right to not be reclined upon like who's correct there i don't know i think my philosophy is if you want to recline your seat you need to ask turn around at the beginning of the flight and say, hey, would you mind if I recline my seat during this flight? And then if you want to, you can explain, you know, I have really bad back pain if I can't do that, or I'm very claustrophobic, and those two inches make a lot of difference. And you tell them that, and I would bet $1 billion that nine out of 10 people will be like, oh, sure, absolutely. And if the one person says, no, I'd rather you didn't, then you say, okay, and you don't get to recline. That's just how it works. You just ask and you accept the decision. And if you ask, more than not, much more than not, they're going to say sure, because the the being asked is the important part. That's how I solve it.
3: That makes sense
1: yeah I'm just so glad we got Anne talking about those two inches making a difference in the clear <laughs> Bobby no uh, no i i <laughs> i I don't recline. There are exceptions to that. Um first class, do what you want because there's enough room. Um, if there's a child behind you, whatever, children don't have rights. <laughs> um, and we're going to leave that conversation there as far as it talks with planes. Cause I don't want to get into that again, but, um, uh, you know, they don't need the space is what I mean. So it's not a big deal. Right. Um, if the person behind me is asleep, like cold out, then as long as it doesn't impact their experience, then I'm okay with it. But generally speaking, I don't see the benefit being good enough to me to make anybody else suffer. I don't believe that yep. those two two inches make enough of a difference that um, that it's worth fighting for or, or possibly your comfort is uh, so much less impacted than the other person's discomfort. And I say this as someone who has tried many times to get work done on a flight because I don't always sleep well on flights. And so even late at night or whatever. And having my laptop in the triangle of doom where yeah, oh, it's folded danger, open yeah. in an acute angle because I cannot... <laughs> open it any more than that and then just basically typing blind into a word document so um or or like propping it up on my lap with the tray table up and so like at a pivoted angle so I'm typing into my own legs um yeah and you know I don't always get a lot of work done in flights but sometimes I do and sometimes I need to like sometimes I'm on deadline for something and you know somebody reclining that two inches makes the difference in my ability to do my job (laughs)
2: I mean, I think instead of fighting each other on this, we should be pissed at the airlines who are, like, adding half a dozen extra rows Mm -hmm. into every flight. Yeah, Yeah, this is mainly Will's fault.
3: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Will. I think so.
2: I'm sure the pilots are the ones who make those decisions. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: They're like, we want to fly around a bunch of grumpy, uncomfortable people. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to think if I've ever reclined my seat, and I think the one time that I did was on an overseas flight. And I think maybe the rules for an overnight overseas are different. I think if everybody's reclining, yeah. that's okay, I think. I, it seems like on those flights, there's a point at which everyone's like, okay, we're going to bed. And they turn the lights off and everybody goes to sleep. Yep. So I think and that's I, okay.
2: I think those really big transatlantic flyers, I think there's still more room. They are. Yes. in there for sure yeah.
3: and the seats are more comfortable although I still can't sleep on a plane like oh no god no I, I have one I, of, why they boy. don't
1: just gas us all that would be nice like I would like that just knock us all out wake us up on on final approach and be like congratulations mm-hmm. you're in Memphis
2: yeah like, you know Christy always says her superpower is being able to sleep anywhere at any time including on flights and I just can't mm-hmm. and if I doze off I will wake up with neck pain so bad it lasts for days so if if I could maybe that should be the superpower that I would want is Christie's to just be
3: able to zonk out anywhere I can't even sleep in my own bed that sounds great (laughs) yeah I tried to yeah you do need that I do I tried to Benadryl myself on the way to Italy and it didn't even work I took two Benadryl which usually puts me out for like 10 hours um, and all it did was just make me groggy and miserable for a really long time.
1: <laughs> it was horrible. You know, that actually reminds me, I wanted to talk for a minute about drinking on planes because uh, I feel like there's a lot of um, romanticism. There's a lot of mystique around drinking on airplanes, and we we have a history as a show and as a fans of TBTL, in the early days of the getting free drinks on airplanes. And I am someone who still you know, gives chocolates and gifts or whatever to my flight crew. Um, even when I'm in first class, and I get free drinks anyway. I still do that because their job is shitty and mine is less shitty than theirs, I think. And so I want to pay it forward a little bit. And uh, I have really reached a point where I will have a drink on a flight, maybe two drinks on a long flight, usually no drinks on a short flight, and it's because I don't want to come back from it. I don't want to have that moment mm-hmm. where I'm not, not buzzed anymore, but just sweaty. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what doesn't absorb sweat well? Uh, the seats on an airplane. <laughs> no. And so I'm just sitting in my own filth and uh, sobering up on an airplane. It's one of the worst
3: experiences. Yes, it really is. There,
1: there are certain people,
2: <clears throat> not that we know of any of them, who just seem desperate to get a drink on an airplane and you know I don't drink at all so like how can I have any opinions on this like I don't know what it's like but it's just it seems like a psychological thing more than anything else like I'm on this plane I must have an alcoholic beverage and I, I don't really understand it
3: I do think it's fun to have a glass of wine on a plane but like but like you said Bobby like one or two at the most for a long flight um I've had the experience where I overdid it a little bit I think it was my first virgin yeah it was my first virgin flight to San Francisco I think and um I don't know how but I wound up with these seats where you just push a button and they bring you stuff for free and (laughs) I was like there's a champagne button and they brought a bottle and so I got this experience where I got off the plane and I was like oh no I'm drunk like this is not good <laughs> luckily I didn't drive anywhere I called a lift or whatever but like that's not a great feeling and it, to be drunk in the middle of the day in a new city is not a fun so I did that once and I will never do it again now I do think that drinking a little bit at the airport is fun um, sure. to pass the time yeah, absolutely but that's a different thing I am totally cool with having a glass of wine at You know, some stupid bar at the airport, sobering up before my flight, and then I'm fine.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love a pre-flight drink. And mm-hmm. and uh, as you all know, I, I won December actually took a picture with my favorite Delta Lounge bartender sale. Mm. We still keep in touch. We text from time to time to check on each other because... Oh my God, you're so weird,
3: Bobby. Bobby, I used to have a favorite bartender at the St. Louis airport because that was the layover. Um, sure. From <gasps> Dallas to Grand Rapids. I <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to see her every time and she, I liked her a lot and she was friendly and... She probably yeah. hated me. I don't know, but she pretended it's her job to pretend to like her customers. So
1: exactly, I barely
2: text my family, much less <laughs> random <laughs> servers at the airport.
0: And I
3: did not get her cell phone number. But
1: sounds great. He's got like eight kids. His wife works at one of the restaurants in Terminal B. You know, we we get a <laughs> we get a whole thing. He, uh, I made sure to uh, introduce him to Sam. One time when we were traveling somewhere, I was like, we got to swing through the lounge. We, we only have a few minutes. But we got to go say hi to sale." It's the whole thing.
2: That's sweet. Yeah. Who Probably you have friends? friends wherever you go.
1: Mm-hmm. I try. Well, I there, yes and no. We'll get into that more when we do the other part of this exercise. But, um, you know, uh, every Thursday night going to the Delta Lounge in Boston, Logan, to get my free dinner before my flight home. Another reason to get to the airport early when you do have lounge access is I'm going to make sure that Delta, you know, feeds me if that's a choice mm-hmm so again just you get
2: your miles worth exactly mm. well so this next question is really for you because meredith you haven't gone on a plane in the last 15 months nope, right i have not no nope. <laughs> me neither i have rarely been outside of the 10 mile range of my house since march of 2020 but bobby you did continue to do some traveling and i was wondering like but I mean, you sent us pictures and things occasionally, but what was it really like traveling You know, during the, the heat of the
1: pandemic? Yeah, it's been a progression, right? So when things shut down last March, I stopped traveling like everybody else and freaked out like everybody else. I was in Boston um, March 8th, 2020. I think that was the Sunday afternoon of my last concert with Boston Music Aviva. And then I went home, and I think I flew home the next morning or something. And then the world shut down. And I, of course, canceled all of my weekly flights for The First Evil Future because I used to book them every six weeks or so. I would sit down and book like a month, month and a half at a time. And so I canceled them all very quickly. Uh, and then, well, I mean, really, I barely can. I mean, Delta started canceling them. And then... yeah. Uh, I rented a car and drove to Boston to get a bunch of stuff out of my office because I had a feeling it was not going to be a week or two. Uh, You know, call call me a public health expert. (laughs) But uh, after seeing what was happening on the other side of the world for two months, I kind of just thought it wasn't going to end soon. And so I went and sort of packed up my entire office and brought it back to Buffalo and set up Viva West for a year. And uh, my car was also still in Boston so like I rented an enterprise car and I like wiped it down with bleach wipes and of course we weren't wearing masks yet because we didn't know that was a thing but I got in the car and drove it and then immediately dropped it off and was like I'm not interacting with anyone I'm not touching anything I stayed at a Westin and I was like I'm just gonna hide in my room the whole time and and not interact with anyone at all like I thought it was it was the end of the world because it kind of was And then uh, by summer, I decided it was time to fly again. So I I went to Seattle uh, right over the summer when the airline industry was at its rock bottom and planes were basically empty. And I flew Delta and I wore an N95. Well, not an N95 because I couldn't get an N95 back then, but I wore one of those KN95s. And it was, you know, I have a fat face. Um, which <laughs> is not a surprise to anybody to see my face. I just have a wide face. I have a wide everything. Hey, mine's getting fatter every day. So, you know, those damn masks, you know, with the, the sort of cheap ear loops on them, stretching, pulling on my ears, Ouch. pressed against my face, and then a cloth mask over that, right, because I'm going to be extra careful. And um, I flew first class because... I think I, I think not only, I think I got a parade that I even booked a ticket, you know, so they were just (laughs) (laughs) happy to have me. And so I flew through Atlanta and so I flew on a decent, whatever normal plane to Atlanta, but then because the international travel had completely bottomed out, I was able to fly on a, I think it was an A380. This, you know, one of these massive inner, you know, these are designed for overseas flights, but, uh, Better to fly them domestic than to mothball them. And, of course, Atlanta to Seattle is, you know, a pretty long flight as far as domestic travel goes. It's about as far, you know, sort of like Miami or something. It's, you you know, you're running the diagonal there. It's a pretty long flight. And so I got to sit up front on one of these planes where I had, like, my own little cabin with the mini sliding door and the lie-flat seat. It's a Delta Did you tell us this and I forgot
2: about it? I don't remember.
1: I have flown in that experience a few times because JetBlue has a handful of those too. They call them Mint Suites. And I would argue that the Mint Suite is the best first class experience in a domestic flight. They fly in from Boston to Seattle and they have the LifeLad and the TV screens and all that. And you have this little door you can hide yourself from the world. Wow! And those are great. They only have a few of them. But this Delta plane was just sort of, I saw it when I booked the ticket. I intentionally, I think, actually took that route so that I could get it. But, um, you know, I I just figured I'll never have enough points or money to fly like this internationally. So for the sake of being distanced from everyone, I'll do this. You know, that was my justification at the time. I was like, I will. uh, Yeah, I'll do this so that I'm not shoulder to shoulder with anyone or, you know, across an aisle from anyone. And it was great. It was super comfortable, the seat. But my experience with the mask was terrible. The flight was warm. I didn't want to take my mask off to eat or drink anything. I was sweaty, it was claustrophobic, and it was pretty miserable. The whole experience was pretty miserable except the awesome seat. Um, And it was kind of the same way going back, except it wasn't quite as hot. And then I've flown a few times since then, and each time has gotten progressively better. One, as the airline industry has convinced me that the air filters on the planes are really good. Um, Either that's propaganda or not. Uh, Our friends in the industry say it's not, so I, I try to trust them. Um, so, I'm a little more comfortable on the plane, like wearing a regular mask, um moving my mask to take a drink or have a snack or whatever. They're still not really doing full meal service. I think it's just starting to come back now, but um you know, I've flown to Seattle a couple of times. we've flown to Detroit to go visit my godsons in Toledo fairly recently um you know i have bounced around a bit it went down of course, I flew to Austin last year to drive with Mike to Seattle, oh, that's right, and then yep. back from Seattle to home so You know, every time it's gotten progressively less scary as we've figured out a little bit more about what's going on. But now it's getting scary again because they're filling the middle seats. And -hmm. it's really hard to go back to the thought of being wedged next to someone. And so Sam and I flew first class to Detroit and back um, on our Delta flight, mainly because I didn't want a third person in our row. And then we flew JetBlue one way and there's only two seats by two seats. So that was no big deal. But I don't blame um, you.
3: That's scary. I mean, you're breathing somebody else's air, which is what we're all right. not supposed to be doing right now still. Well,
1: it's, it's also been a friendly reminder that my being a little grossed out about other people was warranted. Like I was the guy <laughs> who was wiping down my seat every week when I was flying to and from Boston before it was cool. Um, also, they didn't clean. I mean, they just didn't clean. I still remember. I think I have a picture from the time I found half a banana. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I remember peel. that. <laughs> Sitting between the first class seat and the wall of the cabin. Um, you know,
3: that disgusted me. I think that might be part of the reason why I don't like airports is because I feel like every
1: surface is a germ factory. Uh, yes. Yeah. Wait <laughs> until we get to my least favorites. Uh, <laughs> I hope we'll, I mean, we'll see how long it takes to get back to that. Right. Like how long will, will normal be normal again before airplanes are disgusting again? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they stop like misting them with antibacterial mist and all that and, uh, especially because, you know, on Thursday nights, I'd be the last flight out. And so that's a regional jet that's just been running all day. And, uh, you know, it's got hair grease on the back of the seat. You just know. You just know. Uh, yeah. I know. I know. Uh So I, I feel like it's gotten a little bit better each time. And, of course, now you yeah, have the lines for TSA because it's kind of like the post office. They're going to hire just enough people to have a long line. mm mm-hmm. So, yeah, only one out of three security checkpoints is open, but the line is going to be a mile and a half long between social distancing Ugh. and all the people coming back. Pro tip number no, two, you. if you're going to fly a lot, get clear. I, I did it because I have credit card reimbursement for it, and it's kind of awesome. What is that? That's the FastPass um, thing where they, you walk up to a computer and it scans your fingerprint, and then you get to cut the line. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I've seen those. I saw, well, I think I saw them at LAX. Probably at SeaTac too. Mhm. I just thought maybe it was like fancy hand sanitizer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh an agent, uh it's a third party. That agent comes up. They verify your identity and your boarding pass and then you get to go to the front of the TSA line and then you still have to get all your shit scanned, but like you don't have to wait in the agent line.
2: Mm. It's pretty great. That would be good. I have thought about pre checks so many times, but I just don't fly enough. I should just do it anyway. It's, it's worth it for one worth flight. Worth it for once. True, yep. It truly is. Yep. <laughs> is it like 85 bucks for five years yeah. or something? Yep. Yeah. I should. I just never – that's something I never think about until I'm at the airport. and I'm like, oh, goddammit.
1: Well, and um, if you
3: book um, two tickets, usually the other one will just get it. Uh, not default. anymore. Oh, really? That's,
1: I don't know if things have changed recently, but that's he. the way we always we always snuck salmon on pre check. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of times we have flown together, she has not been the beneficiary of my pre check. And I, being the great husband that I am, despite being in the bachelor arms here, uh, will not go through pre check without her. Because what am I going to do? I'm going to stand on the other side and wait. <laughs> like no, that's not nice. Like a jump. That's just me being an asshole. So uh I I always go with her, and the good airports, they're like, "Oh, you have pre-check. Here's a placard. You don't have to take your stuff off." But mm-hmm. everywhere else, it's like, "Nah, forget it. You're stuck." And so I'm like, "I'm like, I don't pack my toiletries as efficiently as I should for security because they don't check them through pre-check, and right. like, I don't want to take my shoes and stuff off and But yeah, I'm a trooper for her, but like I keep telling her, you just have to go. Like the local Staples office supply store near us has a thing where you can go do your pre-check interview now.
3: Yeah, it's very easy. It's quick. And I think it's totally, totally worth
1: it. And if you think the government isn't already tracking you, you're wrong. So (laughs) why not just give them your fingerprints too? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. But yeah, that's been my experience. Um, The lounges were closed forever. That was really sad. That is actually one of the reasons I was keeping in touch with Sale because he wasn't working. Um, it, you know still a bunch of the restaurants and things are not open so you really have to kind of game plan where you're going to go and and what you're going to do if you're going to be at the airport because your options are going to be limited right now but it's coming back
2: yeah i think it's going to accelerate ever more mm-hmm. yes. until
1: we're all bursting at the seams again well as the marketing director uh marketing and development director of the albany symphony i will tell you That we are looking forward to full houses in the fall. So I bet you are. uh, Whatever it takes to get people feeling comfortable being wedged up against a stranger again, let's bring it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yep. I was on a call with my department director yesterday, I think. And I've talked to him a couple of times since we've been at home, but I don't need to talk to him very much. But he said something to me, you know, he was asking how I was doing at the end of the call. He was like, well, August 2nd. It's coming closer. And I was like, oh, God damn it. That's the day that, you know, the university is officially not work from home oh,
3: no. any longer.
2: <laughs> and and of course, they're all talking about hybrid models and blah, 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 blah. But, and my job is one, as you know, Meredith, <laughs> is very conducive to being mm-hmm. at home. But... uh He was saying, oh, be ready to have people back in the office. And, of course, you know, you may have more flexibility than most, but, you know, I got to have Anne's baked goods. And I said, listen, I told my boss this. If you want my ass in that seat, you're going to have to weaken at Bernie's me in there because I'm not coming back. (laughs) Good for you. And he was like, well, so we'll see how this goes. But I just I feel it galloping up upon us where whether or not the health situation is resolved, the business world is not going to yeah.
3: suffer for this much longer. <laughs> Anne's going rogue. I'm not doing it. Yeah, they're starting to make return to office plans at Roe. And obviously that doesn't apply to me because I'm not going to North Carolina to work in an office. Um so a couple of my coworkers were kind of grousing about it on a call the other day and they were like, "Oh, do we have to go back?" And I was like, "Guys, just move somewhere else." <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> then you don't have to. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I
2: I plan if it comes up to advocate for myself quite strongly. Using the example of my friend who's the biostatistician who lives in Detroit and works in North Carolina, and she can do it, then I can do it.
3: Absolutely. Use me as much as you want.
2: (laughs) Oh, and to tell them that she got this new job and a huge pay raise, too. Yeah. So maybe. Hint. Put a little fear of God into them that if they don't at least let me work from home, they may lose Well, and we me. are
3: doing an aggressive hiring thing right now. So, you know, tell them that you might be poached if they're not careful.
2: <laughs> well, let's do a round of one of Bobby's favorite games. Yeah. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. And we just said about anything at the airport in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we could carve this into about a billion categories of things we love and don't love, but uh, we just said go for it, whatever comes to your mind. Meredith, you want to start with overrated?
3: Overrated. Um, okay, so maybe this is local, but Chick-fil-A? Um, for a long time, the only Chick-fil-A in the area was in the airport, and people made such a big deal about it. And I have problems with Chick-fil-A, just their politics and, you know, they're donating and all that stuff. It's horrible. Indeed. Um, but I I was curious, and I tried it once, and I was like, well, this is... I don't know. It's fine. I don't it's know. Fast it's fast food. Fine. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that amazing. I don't really get what all the hype is about. I think it was just like mystique and scarcity. Yeah. Um,
2: and yeah. So I feel the same way when I go to California and everybody wants to go to In-N-Out. And I went once and I was like, well, it's a burger. Yep. It's good, but yes, it is a burger. Right. But why the frenzy? I don't know. I don't know.
1: I'm just uh, over Bobby? here thinking about. Uh, Picking up a nice Coke family fish filet for dinner. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just... uh, I've, got mm, two, I've got two i got overrated. They're very different. One is airplane, one is airport. My airport one, and I feel like this is like a cliche airport thing, Cinnabon. Mm, yeah. And not every airport even has a Cinnabon. Mm. In fact, most airports I've been in don't have a Cinnabon. But when I think when, when people think about airport food, Cinnabon is one of those things that kind of comes up. And um, I, I don't see the appeal. I don't like cinnamon buns from Cinnabon. Um, I don't like the uh, smell of Cinnabon, which but, I know is something people are obsessed with. Oh, that's with. weird. Okay. Well, because so just,
2: we've, we've established that there is, in fact, <laughs> something wrong with you. Well, we do <laughs> not, it's not your fault.
1: We do that. But if you don't like the smell of Cinnabon, I, do. Like, I mean, the that's their whole deal. You don't think it's a little artificially, though? Like, that's my problem. Does it matter? I mean, not if it's working for you but it doesn't work for me.
3: I don't think I've ever Ooh. had a... I've never been to Cinnabon, and I've never had one.
2: Oh, I have. I There was one next door to the Taco... Actually, no. The Taco John's was next to the A&W, which was next to Cinnabon, and I had a friend that worked there, and she would give me free stuff. It's so soft. I mean, but, you know, you're right, Bobby.
1: It's not worth it. I love a good cinnamon bun. Uh, when we stayed in Maui... Um, A couple of years ago, there was a Cinnabon, not a Cinnabon, there was a cinnamon bun place. There was a place that specialized in cinnamon buns and you could watch them make them. And it was just pulling out the full baking sheet and just throwing hunks of butter onto it. I love that. And then rolling out the dough and then watching them sprinkle the onto the cutting board and slicing them up and throwing them onto the pan. And like that was sexy. That was one of the sexiest things <laughs> I've seen. I mean, we were in Maui and the sexiest thing I saw was in a bakery, not the beach. It's
3: a disturbing (laughs) view into your psyche, but it was incredible.
1: But Cinnabon.
3: Okay, this makes sense all of a sudden,
2: because you say it smells a little artificial. And I think maybe they put the same thing into Cinnabons that they put into Subway bread. Oh, that yoga mat stuff. Yep. Yep. I think that's what you're reacting to. And now that you say that, I totally understand it because I never had a problem with Subway bread. But when somebody pointed it out, I was like, oh, yeah,
1: there is that kind of weird thing about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry if I've ruined Cinnabon for anyone, but you can do better.
2: Oh, no, um, I, I, you no. Know, I know how many calories
1: are in a Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, my other one, my airplane one, is Comfort Plus or economy plus, Mm. or whatever airlines um, euphemism is for, we're going to charge you extra for a modest upgrade
3: for basic human dignity is what it is. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and of course, now there are airlines who are like, hey, 20 extra dollars just to just to not be assigned a middle seat when you're walking up to the gate. Right, But there's that section of seats behind first class and before coach where you get an extra two inches of legroom and they're no wider, which is really my concern, because, again, I'm, I'm a wide person. Uh And I would kill and have come very close to killing the person next to me for like an extra two or three inches of width on my seat. Uh But for legroom, I'm five nine. I'm good. Like, I'll live with coach legroom most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, you know, so the link, it's a tease to me. The link doesn't do anything for me. If you give me an exit row, grade, that's fine. But like, it doesn't solve the problem I have with sitting in the back. And uh, and that upgrade for just that marginal amount of difference kills me. It's it's um, It's just cruel. And then sometimes as somebody who gets upgraded, if I buy a coach ticket and have my aisle seat all picked out, then they'll upgrade me to a middle seat in Comfort Plus or whatever the hell it's called. And I'll be like, no, why would I want this? Why would anyone want this? Why would I sacrifice my freedom on one side to be wedged between two people? No, 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 no. Send me back. So Comfort Plus, overrated.
0: Hmm.
2: I will say as someone who has a long thigh bone,
3: I appreciate the Comfort Plus
2: a lot. I wouldn't turn it down. No. Well, I take no. your point though, Bobby. If we're choosing between regular aisle
1: and middle comfort plus, you go with aisle. Yes. I've had that um happen to be more than once mm. being upgraded to the middle seat. There is no There the middle there is no conceivable situation where the middle seat is worth no. it. Unless you're in the middle seat in the back. And then it's okay. at least you've got a little more vertical room okay. to uh to squish yourself into a, a hot dog shape where you just try to squeeze right. yourself into
2: a yeah or unless you're a short american like ellen yeah
1: well ellen just goes in the overhead
3: (laughs) i hope she gets a discount on her ticket
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh
2: my overrated this is might shock you guys but i think that free in-flight beverages are overrated and you're saying ann are you seriously saying that free diet coke is overrated And I'm saying, yes, I do. Because they don't even give you the whole goddamn can. They just give you that one teeny tiny little glass. And you're expected to make do with that for the whole flight. And also, it's an open container. If I... Go to the Hudson News or whatever beforehand and I get a bottle of Diet Coke. Yes, it costs me $4,
3: but it has a
2: cap on it. Mm -hmm. So I can screw that thing up and put it in the seat pocket and I don't have to worry. But if I have a – I mean glass is a generous term for it – of Diet Coke – then, you know, as soon as the beverage service comes through, then the person in the window's like, oh, I need to get out. And then I got to put the tray right. up and balance the glass and balance my candle and get out in the aisle. It's just it's, there's too much possibility of spillage that I just can't do it. And I, I don't think it's worth it for free in-flight beverages.
1: I'm with you. Just pay for your drinks. It's, 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 you know, what's two bucks for a Diet Coke?
3: Well, and you don't want the ice, I don't think, that they put in that cup anyway. So if it's warm, I, I, I
1: like
2: to chew ice. I am an ice chewer. But again, it's, if it's a like a pint glass that has some ice in it, then we're good. But if it's a Dixie cup with ice in it, I mean, no well good. then you're
3: getting right. a thimble full of Diet Coke because the yeah. ice is taking up all the room. Yeah. That's
2: that's nothing. All right. Underrated Meredith. Um I
3: wrote nothing. I really couldn't think of anything that's underrated about traveling <laughs> <laughs> and airports. <laughs> I really just don't like airports that much. Um I think things that are moderate or or good are pro- appropriately rated. So I do not have a good response to this.
1: Bobby? Wow. Uh, I have a couple answers again, so I'll take yours. Um, I, I, one, uh, not every airport, but some airports have hidden gem restaurants. Uh, you can look. Eater. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Eater. Oh, the Chili's been... Two. Don't get me started about the Chili's Two at, <laughs> at O'Hare. I have, I have distinct memories of the Chili's Two. Chili's T O O. What? Of course. Chili. It's also Chili's. Chili's
2: also, yep. Chili's as well.
1: <laughs> because it's different from the Chili's that's down the concourse. Um, yes, I um, I have made a margarita-oriented mistake at the Chili's too, and that's funny because I don't even really usually drink like that. Um, you can occasionally find a local restaurant that has a representation at an airport, and it's an opportunity to get food from a local restaurant that you might not get to otherwise. And specifically, I'm thinking of Atlanta. And I'm thinking of Pascals, um, which is like Southern classic soul food. And I will take an Atlanta layover. And, of course, I'm on Delta, so I'm often getting an Atlanta layover anyway from heading to the West Coast. I will take an Atlanta layover over layovers at other airports if it means I can go to Pascals for breakfast and get, um, like, the full breakfast workup with the grits and everything from Pascals. I, mm. will, I will make sure I get to the right concourse to do that so eater is good about chronicling these things you can check and t- i will i will forego a trip to the lounge to go get breakfast from Frascales.
2: that's no mean feat in, a, in the atlanta airport yeah, either getting nope. to the right concourse yep. you gotta like ride the train and everything well,
1: you can choose to ride the train i actually like to get my steps in atlanta so i'd rather walk between the terminals but uh, it's also just a matter of knowing where you're going, because I think when people complain about how long it takes to get where you're going in Atlanta, it's also just not knowing the map. I mean, I if I have a connection, I am looking on the first flight, like game planning how I'm going to get to my connection.
3: That's one of the reasons I want to give myself a bunch of time is because if it's a, if it's a big airport that I'm not familiar with, I, I got to figure out the train before, you know, before it's too late, before I'm <laughs> already missing things, you know?
1: We had to run at DTW Mm-mm. a while back from end to end for a connection and our bags have been gate checked because we boarded late because someone likes to go to the bathroom right before we board. It's not me. (laughs) And, uh, we had to run with our luggage from end to end through that uh,
3: psychedelic tunnel.
1: Uh, no, not from side to side, but just from, um, I've, it was whichever one has the train, but the train wasn't running or am I thinking of no, but it was like gate 12 to gate 57 or something. And we were just like, hustling and sweaty and again getting on the plane sweaty and gross the worst and everybody's looking at you too like i'm the asshole who missed who who was flying the last flight yeah Mm. it was my idea to wait and circle for half an hour before we landed fuck you anyway (laughs) where were we oh yeah underrated the other one i have one that's much more um much simpler rocking chairs
3: oh yeah 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 yeah.
1: a lot of airports have a few of these rocking chairs hiding around Mm -hmm. the rocking chairs in airports are great for a lot of reasons one an ideal people watching perch two an ideal looking out the window perch because i can't just stare at airplanes landing and taking off i find that very peaceful uh and three you're not sitting next to someone when you're sitting in one of those rocking chairs you're an island and that Mm. is swell um i think swell is the right word for using a rocking (laughs) chair in fact so yeah, just, uh, saddle me up at one of those. And, uh, again, let me put my feet up on my suitcase, which is my, my MO and, uh, just wake me when my flight is coming or, or, you know, I won't be asleep, but I'll be in a daze. Just let me know when I get to go board.
2: You heard it from grandpappy yep. Bobby guys <laughs> get in your rocking chairs. Um, I will say, funny that you mention it, Bobby, I would say underrated is peeing before you board the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Because I already said I don't understand why you would want to use an airplane bathroom unless it's an absolute emergency. I mean, I... Okay, so by my calculations and what the science says is you can... um, be relatively sure that the liquid has gone through your system in 90 minutes. That's about how long it takes. So I stop drinking 90 minutes before my flight boards. And the last thing I do before I go get in that boarding line is I go and pee. I'm going to wring every drop out of that bladder.
1: <laughs> See, Man, I think this that's is appropriately
3: like s- rated. I think that's this is like
1: surgery prep. <laughs> yeah. Stop drinking at midnight the day before I fly. <laughs> no food
3: or drink
2: after. Yeah. My response, Meredith, is if it was appropriately rated, then wouldn't more people do it? I don't understand how there are so many people. Like as soon as you reach cruising altitude, yeah. and the seatbelt sign goes
3: ding, somebody's up and peeing, or maybe they are having. Issues,
2: yeah. yes. I mean, it may, maybe there's a medical problem. Maybe they've maybe made some a, poor choices. Just a you, know, if you, have, kind to, of you have to, you yeah. have to. hmm But I, I think that people don't pay enough attention to those bodily needs before they get on the plane.
3: Okay. Uh,
1: I, you should absolutely do that. I also do that. Uh, however, just don't, don't wait until they announce pre-boards to go do it. That's my problem. <laughs> Well, because you're going to beat one of the pre boards because you're like
2: double platinum first. Yeah. I don't. Special Flyers class. Don't
1: beat the pre boards. It goes, it goes the, uh, it goes the, uh, elderly.
2: No, no. That, Bobby's that is, just pushing that grandma down. <laughs> He's cutting in front of a military guy.
1: It goes, it goes, elderly. <laughs> he trips
2: the guys with the stroller. Children,
1: thank you for your service. Then a long beat where we all stand there staring, then then Diamond Medallion, which I am not, then First Class. So mm. I got to wait through, like, they say we're about to board, and then you get to wait through five or six zones, you know, before you get your sitting. Your right. Believe me, I've split that out enough times. And I am very anti-gate lice. I'm not going to stand there, like, hovering six feet from the desk or oh, right yeah. to the lane. I, I do stand usually because I've usually been sitting for an hour and a half somewhere and then... You know, when I go, I don't bother trying to wedge myself into a seat tomorrow. I'm about to sit for several hours, so I don't need to sit down. But I, do, I, you know, st- I stand out of the way. It is harder than you would think, you know, to not
2: hover
3: at the gate. It is very tempting. Mean, yeah, it is tempting.
2: It, it It is definitely a tempting thing, which is why so many people do it. And I have to remind myself,
3: sit your ass in that
2: seat. You're in zone three or whatever. Yeah. It is. But there is an urge, like, if I don't get in this line, I'm going to miss it. Yep. Yeah, A- And there has been uh, research done that shows that, I don't know, lines breed themselves. Like, if people see someone get in line, yeah. they're more likely to then get in line.
3: Because like, oh, what are we lining up for? I, I don't want to yep. miss the thing that we're lining up for. exactly
2: yeah. There have been retail studies done because, you know, we used to complain all the time at the store about there would be nobody, nobody, nobody checking out. And then all of a sudden <laughs> everybody was in line and we're like, what is happening? And it's an actual psychological effect that once someone gets in line, other people just feel like they need to as well. So, it, you know, we're fighting against psychology when we're not hovering to get on board so anybody that accomplishes that we'll salute
1: each other right also saluting everyone whose service i'm thinking while they board before me so that's fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) while while you're plotting to get ahead of them on the jetway (laughs) i just can't wait to get my cane and then i'll be able to really amble down there first anyway (laughs) anyway meredith what's your
2: favorite thing about the airport and the flight experience. My
3: least hated thing about airports, I, I, like I said earlier, is drinking a little bit. Um, I think mm-hmm. I think that makes it tolerable for me. It makes the time pass a little faster. It makes me a little less anxious about touching every surface and then having to wash my hands, which I felt like before this. Um, I don't think that's going to change at all. I was mm-hmm. not. I was never much of a hand sanitizer person, but like I did have a tiny one in my purse, and it was usually for airport use. Um, and then I would scrub and scrub and scrub every time I went to the, to the restroom in an airport. So I think having a glass of wine is definitely kind of a necessity for me. And I remember, I think about um, Luke from TBTL told a story once about how he loves to put his headphones in and walk around the airport and listen to you know some ethereal music or whatever. And, and that is kind of a fun <laughs> thing to do if you're not in a hurry, if you have some time to kill get a glass of wine, listen to some some of your own music, live in your own little world, then then that's tolerable for me.
2: Is it my imagination or is it a sort of a recent-ish thing where it seems like those like circular or horseshoe-shaped bars like out in the open are really making inroads? Like it, it seems like it's less like a discrete bar space and more like a big
1: brown counter. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like the piercing pagoda. Like, it's just sort of in the middle of the concourse, but you can't avoid it.
3: (laughs) I'd rather sit in a corner and hide. I don't really want to be on display. Um, No. No, I don't need to watch all the other people. If if I'm going to do
2: that, I'm going to get my rocking chair.
1: (laughs) Speaking of music at the airport, I did listen to Taylor Swift's Lover from end to end while sitting at the, uh, the bar that was outside the restaurant looking at the passers by in the concourse at Chili's Two in O'Hare. Uh that, what a memory that wow. was my well, it's it's one of those things where the sound and the and the and the place and the taste of the appetizer sampler platter that I <laughs> ate as a meal will all always be fused together because I had not listened to the album yet and it was I don't know, probably at Hillary's urging or something. But I sat and listened to the whole thing so that I could take it in and it was one of those moments where yeah you, the busier the outside world the more i can focus on the inside world so i have my my earbuds in or my headphones i don't remember which and just i took it from from beginning to end track one straight through and uh formulated my thoughts on it and reported back must have been for hillary cuz nobody else would have cared <laughs> i
2: mean really the way that taylor swift is meant to be listened to by know. a
1: by a middle aged man eating a sampler platter at a chili's too
2: mm-hmm. in the airport yeah <laughs> All right. Well, what's your favorite thing about the airport, Bobby?
1: Where do I begin? <laughs> you know, I didn't, well, we're at we're at an hour and 26 minutes. I didn't fly until I was 15 years old for the first time, except for um, except for a quick trip up in a helicopter at a pancake breakfast in the sticks where it was 10 bucks to go up in a helicopter. Um,
3: no, like you do. Yeah,
1: exactly. I, I it's no Minnesota State Fair mini fair. But, you know, back where I was from, that was the big thing. Um, so I, I was making it for lost time. Like I didn't fly as a child and very little until college. So, um, you know, airports had a mystique for me because it was not demystified when I was young. I I tried to think about my absolute favorite thing. I, I do think at the end of the day, it is the people watching at every step of the game, people in line, people on planes, people in a concourse, the way people sit, the way people choose to dress. And I'm over shaming people. I don't, I think, you know, until recently, I would have shamed someone for being in pajamas and carrying a pillow on their flight. You know what? You do you if you're comfortable. I don't care. I regret the way I judged people for that in the past. Uh, I do judge people for taking their shoes off. And as someone who sits in the front row a lot, I judge people for putting their feet up on the bulkhead. That is just rude. You would not put your feet on the walls uh, in your home. That is not okay. Uh, I judge people for walking. Barefoot to the lab, to the bathroom, because Ooh, oh God no! They do it as someone who often sits up front to see a lot of people as they're going to the restroom. That's not water on the floor, people. Nope, it's not water. <laughs> as someone who aims, imagine aiming in turbulence. It's not water, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I just you know I I just enjoy the human experience of of taking all that in. So that is sort of my big picture favorite. I, and if I do have a drink on a flight, that is one of my other favorite things, and that is the Baileys and coffee. And of course, I don't think brewed coffee is is ever going to come back, at least for me, on an airplane. Yeah. And I have to block out all those studies about how you're not supposed to drink the water and the hot water because it's disgusting. But um, the Baileys and coffee thing was was for a long time my favorite thing on a flight.
3: Could you grab theoretically grab a Starbucks, and then bring it on the flight and put Bailey's in it. Like, would that be a little bit less objectionable?
1: That would be fine. And you absolutely can. And I have done that. Okay. Um, not the Starbucks were like, I'll grab a coffee from the lounge because of federal regulations. You may not drink your own alcohol on the flight that you bring on the flight. So right. I actually, you know, I won't name names and sale would never do this, but uh, you know, some lounge bartenders would maybe, uh, <laughs> m- maybe top off my tumbler uh on my way to the airplane and again i'm not looking to get drunk because i don't want to be the sweaty part after but like for a for a 50 minute flight the coffee and the bailey's is just the right amount of awake and asleep to uh get you where you're going without being a mess and um uh that uh that experience of bringing your own coffee and yeah you could just order a bailey's and then top it off so uh yeah and then i also had uh fast friends on my note, um, there's nothing like watching a, a sporting event at the airport, at a bar, or in the lounge and just uh, uh, becoming very quickly acquainted with all the people cheering for your team, uh, even though you'll never see them again. That's always fun.
3: That sounds like a nightmare huh. to me, but I'm glad so you yeah, enjoy it. Take your
2: word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Ann and Meredith dead <laughs> silent. The, well, the idea... I'm, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm earning the E on my ENTJs and you yeah, two are, you are earning the you I on your sure I- INTJs. When
3: you said fast friends, I got a shudder because I thought I, it reminds me of the people who sit next to me on a plane and want to talk the whole time and I don't want to talk.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's Ugh. just rude. That's rude. You put that's your horrible. headphones on and and I, I almost always put my earbuds in and I'm not even listening to music most of the time. But like, just universal symbol for leave me alone.
3: I've done this sitting yep. next to this. The, the worst one is sitting next to a probably 75 year old woman who just didn't didn't know the headphone sign. You know, she just didn't get that. I kept taking them out to hear it and say, what did you say? Because I didn't want to be rude. And also I had a crick in my neck to begin with. And I had to keep turning my head to see her and, and hear her. So I got a worse crick in my neck. And so I just have a really bad taste in my mouth about that. I don't want to make friends at the Ugh. airport or on the plane.
1: <laughs> nope. Now, of course, there is the time I sat next to Evander Holyfield. Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, On his good ear. Yeah, but did you end up up being friends with Evander Holyfield? No, because again, I don't talk to people on a flight, and I'm not going to disrespect that rule just because the person sitting next to me is famous. So I left him alone for the most part. I sort of smiled at him because we boarded early because we're up front. And then his posse, because you're fancy lad, and other people were boarding and, and recognizing him. And uh, I think I looked at him, and he started laughing a little bit. And I just said, "You're very popular," or something like that. And he he laughed at me. He looked at me, and I think he thought I didn't know who he was. And he said, "Yeah, I play for the Atlanta Falcons," because <laughs> we were flying, you know, from Atlanta to somewhere. And uh I we just I just read the paper and and uh you know gave him his space because I'm not gonna be an asshole who talks his ear off for his good ear off for two hours. <laughs> his good ear. <laughs> yeah. That's nice of you. Well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh
2: I will make my favorite very quick them Delta Biscoff cookies. <laughs> Give them
1: to me. Yeah, those are good. They do hit different than the regular. Like you yeah. can buy Biscoff cookies, but it's not the same. It is
2: not. And there was a flight attendant once who was bringing out the stuff. And I said, you know, he said, you like peanuts or cookies. or what?" And I said, oh, my God, I just love those Biscoff cookies. And he said, you should have two packages. Then and I was <laughs> like, oh, that's the best thing about flying. I'm telling you. Oh, Anne. All right,
1: let's wrap this up. Least favorite. Anne, I'm going to take you to the Delta Lounge sometime. Not all of them have the Biscoff cookies, but when they do, they're, um, they're, not, um, they're not limited or controlled in any way. They're just sort of out on a platter. Danger. Don't tell me these things, Bobby. <laughs> Meredith, Meredith, quick. Yes, quick. Least <laughs> favorite. Least
3: favorite thing. That's a tough one, but gate lice, as Bobby said, people who line up at the gate for no goddamn reason. You're not going to get on there faster. You're just creating a traffic jam for the people who need to get through. Yep.
1: Yep. Absolutely, Bobby. Humanity, which is funny because um, yeah, which is favorite funny because people watching—it's a fine line. Um, humanity. Yeah, that's it. And, okay. and also, um, I don't want to go on a huge rant about security theater, um, but uh, security theater yeah, also, right, yeah. also high on my it's, list. It's,
2: we know it's it's not making us any safer. Yeah. Um. Mine is connections. I will do almost anything to avoid a connecting flight mm, these days yeah. because I find that so stressful. And I don't understand these flight patterns where you could get a, like a 40-minute uh, connection time. I mean, that's just plain Russian trouble, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. It, that is the kind of stress I do not need in my life. I, remember, I may have talked about this at the time, but when I was coming home from Portugal, I went Portugal to Amsterdam so I was in Sheepall, which of course is I don't know if it's the world's biggest airport but it's certainly the biggest that I've been in it's well bigger than Atlanta. I really
3: just, as an airport hater I oh. liked that place. I thought it was interesting.
2: Well, I had an hour and a half for my connection oh. which I thought that's enough time, right? I pretty That's pretty good. And considering I was leaving Portugal, it was like a 5 a.m. flight. So it was the first flight of the day. So it wasn't, you know, coming in from anywhere else. It wasn't going to be late. We were going to ha ha jokes on me because it turns out that the Portuguese can start the first flight of the day late. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, I ended up actually we made up some time in the air and I was there with about an yeah, I think it was an hour and a half. It should have been an hour and 40 and it was just an hour and a half. But my God, that place was so huge that to go all the way down to the end of my concourse and then you have to go through a goddamn mall that's in the middle and then you have to go through passport control, which was madness. It's actually pretty quick for what it looked like. And then I had to go all the way down to the international flight and then I had to go through more screening, additional security screening questions. And by the time I got to the gate, they were boarding. So I would not have thought that it would take an hour and a half to get through that. And so I just never again. I would rather sit in the airport for four hours than risk that kind of anxiety in in my life. Did you just run into the
1: crowd and go, wake up, sheeple? <laughs>
3: My experience at that airport was Gabe and I went to Ireland and and that was our layover um, and he left his passport on the plane. Aww. Oh, Gabe. So it was a nightmare. Oof. But it was a fun airport yeah. to be stranded in. I'm sure if you
2: have no other mm-hmm. choice, then enjoy yourself. Yeah. But I was not happy about it. Well, um. So finally, let's talk a little bit about how we feel about traveling again. I mean, Bobby, you you kind of outlined your thoughts on this since you have been resuming some traveling. But Meredith, how,
3: I mean, when do you think you're gonna get back out I don't of there? No, I don't feel like lifting mask mandates is wise yet. I don't really agree with what the CDC is saying. Um. So I'm gonna. Continue doing what I've been doing for the most part. I also really love staying at home, um, but yep. I don't want to travel while things are still mostly closed. Um, I know things are starting to open up, so but what that means is I'm just not going to go anywhere immediately. So maybe in the fall, like we got to go on honeymoon, um, and so maybe in the fall when when like more restaurants are open and more like events and I don't know, it it, it just doesn't sound very appealing to me right now, and I, I'm still very nervous about being in public with a bunch of people. Um, My yoga teacher has been streaming classes online and I've been doing them at home and she keeps being like, well, we, you know, got some limited studio space and I'm like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Like I'm fully (laughs) vaccinated. I have been since January and I'm still just like, "Eh, I don't think so. I just, I think I'm kind of scarred by this and I just don't, I don't really feel comfortable being around people. I'm going to have to ease myself into it by like maybe going to an outdoor restaurant because I still haven't really been doing that. Either. Yeah, so, like either. baby steps. Uh, I think being on an airplane is way too much for me right now. So, you just yeah. have
1: to I, restaurant and then indoor restaurant and then lick a doorknob and then you're ready for anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. And
3: then I'm back to normal. My yeah. usual doorknob licking schedule.
1: Yeah. I got my
2: second vaccination on the 5th, 6th of this month. So, what would that be? The 20th would have been. So, just a week ago, I was fully vaccinated for the first time. So, I haven't really had a lot of opportunity to go around licking a lot of doorknobs
0: yet
2: (laughs) (laughs) but I think I feel the same way as you do Meredith and and I you know like I'm not sitting here thinking oh my god I'm scared I don't I'm like you know when I travel it'll be fine but on the other hand speaking of you know your yoga practice I have been a very faithful um member of lifetime fitness since 2004 and i think from 2004 to 2019 i went four times a week Mm -hmm. really without fail and then just stopped for the last 14 plus months and we just got the notification they're no longer requiring masks in the club and so last weekend i thought you know, maybe this is a good time. I'll go on a Sunday, kind of late in the afternoon, the evening. It's real quiet there on Sunday evenings anyway, and I'll just get back into it. And as I got closer to it last weekend, I was just like, will I? And then I was like, "Eh, I can go another day. (laughs) So I sort of felt myself talking myself out of it. (laughs) And I sort of wonder if that might be what it's like for flying. Like i I think that I'm fine with it until it gets to the point where I can choose to do it. And then I might find some excuses not to. I don't know.
3: Yeah. My sister texted me from the grocery store the other day and she's like, well, I don't have to wear a mask, but I think I still want to. And I was like, yeah, I get that. Like, it's not a bad idea to continue.
2: It's going to be weird. I did go... To the grocery store, maybe like, I think it was the day after they announced that statewide mask mandates were lifted. And there was only one person who wasn't wearing a mask Mm -hmm. in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I think probably most of us are kind of feeling the same way. So
1: we'll see. When gyms reopened in Massachusetts, I went a couple of times because I was really ready to get back to the gym. I am the heaviest I've ever been. And I carry my weight fairly well, as I've been saying earlier on this episode, that I am a wider person. I just have a relatively wide frame. And so I'm actually a little heavier than I think people realize because of it, which is, you know, whatever. I'm glad I hide it well. Uh, but I'm really feeling it, and I'm ready to work out again. And I went a couple of times, and the masking policy at my local Planet Fitness was not super well enforced. Um mm and I I was okay with it because there was social distancing between the machines and whatever, but then it got warmer and they weren't running the ceiling fans because I think they were relying on the HVAC filtering, but it was still too warm. And now that masks are easing up and the distancing starting to go away, I won't go back right away. (laughs) Like, uh, I, I was just grossed out enough by that experience to think that if it got any more crowded or worse, I couldn't do it. And, um, Again, it's just like not wanting the middle seat on the airplane if Sam and I are going to fly together. I Just not quite ready to be next to somebody who's actively heaving gross air. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I do a lot of group fitness classes, and the, but the group is the least appealing part of it to me. Like, I don't derive any benefit from working out in a group with a bunch of other people. It's having the instructor there to tell you, what to do right. and to keep you motivated, and the live stream has like digital stuff where they live stream classes now like Meredith, like your yoga teacher, and so I can get the same workout, and i don't have to do it with a bunch of other people mm-hmm. I mean why would I go back unless I really wanted to sit in the whirlpool, which I
3: think i don't no, I never did want to sit in a public whirlpool
2: no, probably not um so question of the week this week. We Let's keep this positive. What is your favorite part of airplane travel? Let us know whether you want to disagree with Bobby about that Cinnabon or whatever it is. Tell us what you really like about yeah. going somewhere on an airplane.
1: Yes, please. We're doing our part to stimulate the economy by warming you up to the idea. Yep. Here we go. We're doing it for Will. <laughs> to Tishi recommends, uh, just a quick one this week, uh, and it's called Liquid Lightning. And no, that's not uh, something Jeremy would drink from a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Are uh, you sure? Uh, well, it I probably mean, it, it, is. It probably also is. <laughs> um, Liquid Lightning is um, a drain cleaner, like Drano, except it's called drain opener on the bottle. And you'll know it if you go to your local Walmart or similar, because it's the one where the bottle is also in a plastic bag. Oh, caustic. Uh, Yes. Caustic is the word. So uh, as I've been breaking in the bachelor arms here and I'm only here a couple of days a week. So I feel like I'm still moving in, even though I've been here basically a month now or something. Uh, But one of the problems I have when I moved in is it has the original tub, which is gorgeous. It has a shower head that comes down right in the middle of the tub because the tub is the long way against the wall. And the shower head comes right down in the middle, which is kind of awkward. And I'm still trying to work that out like a way to make that not so weird, but it would not drain. And so I it was draining slower and slower. And I took a shower right before I got ready for work uh, two weeks ago and I had to leave like I was leaving for the day and then I was going to leave right from the office to drive back to Buffalo. So I was like, well, we'll just find out how long it takes to drain
2: oh gross. i came
1: back and i tried plunging the hell out of it you know i'm not i'm not dumb i bought a plunger before i moved in but like um i came back and the dirt rings from how slow it had drained and the plunging of course did not help that it's disgusting yeah uh, it was evident that it took its sweet ass time draining however i've been in this situation before uh And I have tried lots of drain cleaners before and this stuff, the liquid lightning, which I've only ever seen at Walmart actually now that I think about it. It's not at more reputable stores. Um, You, you uh, cut open the bag and it's got a zip top on it and you pull the bottle out and it's a skinnier bottle because it doesn't take that much of it. You pull, you know, you you scoop out the extra water and then you stand the fuck back because when you pour it down, (laughs) I mean, you really ought to wear gloves and goggles. It smokes, it smokes like a science experiment. I don't know exactly what's in it. I know I don't want to touch it. Um, I know that anything you're going to wipe it up with after you should um, be ready to throw out. And uh, I know that it will burn the finish off of any kind of like cheaply plated metal. Like, this shit is... I don't want to think about what damage it might be doing to the pipes. I was about to say, don't do this in a house you own. (laughs) But it sure as hell made a difference here. (laughs) Poured it down. It says to let it sit 15 minutes. I let it sit 10 because it finally stopped smoking and I thought it was probably done.
3: Smoking?
1: And and I I rinsed it all down and then I washed the tub, got it all cleaned up. um, And uh, sure as hell, the thing drains like it's brand new. So... (laughs) <laughs> liquid lightning use it at your own risk that's my Tishy recommends i still have half a bottle of it so if anybody in the albany area needs a uh, drain cleaned <laughs> i don't think i'm ever going to need it again uh, you
2: never know you might find a use for I'm it i'm kind of
1: afraid to keep the open bottle um it's Ooh. back in the plastic bag closed up and under the bathroom sink so i don't know good idea oh well with that Get involved with the
2: show. This show has com or throwyourphone.com if you would like to uh, fill out the form and send us your thoughts. We got a spam for mosquito traps yep. last mm-hmm. week. So, I mean, your message is going to be wonderful in comparison to most of what comes through. <laughs> the Facebook group is a great place to go answer the question of the week and talk about some stuff with some other people. Why did I say it like that? Mm -hmm. Um, Show Twitter at Tishy Show, which Bobby updates faithfully every day. He puts something new
1: on the Twitter. I am very busy these days. Let's not set the bar that high. (laughs) Most weeks by Tuesday, I remember to update the Twitter.
2: Okay. Uh, Email us at tishy at 10710.com and you can send us a voice memo in that email. Like Justina said, with our helpful pronunciation guide, like Ann did with her arson story, uh, alleged arson story, we love to get those. And if you need that, the rest of Bobby's Liquid Lightning, you can fax him at 617-354-8513. I don't know if this show made me feel better about traveling or not. But I guess it's going to happen. So, for now, that was everything. About airplanes? <laughs> Question mark?
0: i will be around for you. i swallowed my pride for you, lived a life for you, but you still make me feel like a thief. You got me stealing your love away, cause you never give it. Peeling the years away, and we can't relive it. Oh, i make you laugh, and you make me cry. I believe it's time for me to fly. You said we'd work it out. You said that show. Time for me to fly
4: Nie mój cyrk, nie moje małpy.